Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 111. In today's episode, I interview bodywork master and eccentric podcaster, Aaron Alexander. Be sure to stick around for the end of the show why you need to access meditation as much as possible, the incredible importance of self-love, and what is certainly a surprise first for the show. Alrighty, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. On the line today, I have Aaron Alexander. Aaron, first question I ask everybody who comes on the show is just share share with us uh, your health journey up to this point. Health journey up to this point. Um, well, uh, the the story that I, I tend to tell in regards to to that where it becomes relevant was um, becoming fairly obsessive around bodybuilding and such at a young age, like around like fifteen, sixteen, and in doing that, um, that was to cover up various insecurities and such, and kind of like packing on muscle as a means of you know self protection, whatever. At least that's what that's like my story now. I don't know how accurate that is, and then um, started kind of reducing my parts down to the point that I, I started, we were just talking about playing ice hockey. I started getting worse at ice hockey and just like a less athletic human being in general. My parts started falling off. I started having like joint dislocations and was just kind of like, kind of turning myself into this mutant Hulk body, but nothing was actually connected. And, uh, from there got into learning how to put the parts back together. So at that point I've been doing personal training and such and, you know, teaching people about how to you know, essentially hurt themselves and got further into the journey of, um, you know, body work. So I went to the Rolf Institute, which is kind of another, you know, interesting wormhole of what the heck that is and started studying various different approaches of body work and, uh, various different movement approaches from like ballet to hip hop to capoeira to like jujitsu and, just kind of working on putting the parts back together has been kind of the journey, you could say. Well, uh, speaking of one of those wormholes, uh, I, I did want to ask you about the the roll thing, and I, it's something I've never tried. I've I've talked to people who have done it, but I'm I'm intrigued. Like, what did you really get out of it, and like, how does that really serve you now? Uh, from going to the Rolf Institute, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think, I mean, it's tough to say because I've been doing body work actually for several years before I went to the Rolf. And um, so now to say like what I do, it's like such an amalgamation of so many things. But I think that if there's one thing that structural integration is a better term for me because Rolfing is the last name of Ida Rolf, the, the founder lady. Um, but structural integration the main focus is how do all of these joints and body, you know, muscles and ligaments and everything, how do they relate to each other? How do they integrate to each other? You know, and so as opposed to looking, looking like trigger point therapy or something, we're thinking about trying to, trying to downregulate or inhibit specific muscles. I now, from that experience and you know whatever experiences, I'm not sure exactly which ones they were, but uh, looking at it more as the organization of the whole body. You know, so if you have you know, you have shoulder pain or whatever, I'm thinking about what's the organization of the whole shoulder girdle in relation to the spine and how does that spine relate to the pelvis and how type of connection do you have from your feet up into the pelvis, up into the spine and back up into the shoulder. You know, so once you can put all these parts together, this is what I, you know, I, I'm, I'm like emphatically ranting about on my podcast all the time, you know, is putting those parts back together, then the body can as a whole begin to heal itself as a whole begin to upregulate um, until that happens you're just like trudging through mud you know and you're putting all the parts back together you know and like myopically but you never really get that ease you know you never really feel like you're you know you're being moved it's always like i'm i'm working so hard to move my body you know but if you can get to that point which so few people have accessed um, where everything is really working as a team, life gets a lot easier, right? It's funny that you said life gets a lot easier because I think people think of mm -hmm. uh, just, okay, well, my body moves better, like no big deal, but why, why did you use the word life there? <laughs> yeah, you mean, so your, your body is a representation of what you're thinking. You know, we could start there and we can keep on going, but, you know, if it's just for example, like, you can take on a depressed position. Imagine your, you know, your puppy got eaten by a weed whacker or something horrible, right? And it's like, oh god, right? So even as I do that, I have this visceral experience of like my eye. In that case, it was like a shock, right? So I didn't just get, you know, have like this kind of, kind of no affect, you know, blank face with that shock. My face, oh, you know, I kind of crunch my neck back, and that's like the suboccipital ridge, that space behind your neck where so many people end up having a lot of tension. <gasps> That ends up crunching up, right? You know, from depression, if I was really deflated or depressed, my shoulders would start to roll medially or forward, right? I'd start to come into that that hyperkyphotic spine, hyperkyphosis, meaning like you come to like the hunchback of Notre Dame type position, right? My 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 sacrum, my lumbar spine starts to go into kind of like that sad puppy dog position or posterior tilt, right? And you can go all the way down through the line, right? My knees start to drop in valgusly, meaning dropping inside. My feet start to drop inside as well, which collapses my arch support, right? So all these anatomical terms are describing depression, right? You know, and then if you could go to the inverse of that and say like, okay, what's elation look like? You know, what's like victory look like, right? So when you are in a, you know, like a blind person wins a race or a, you know, a sighted person or a deaf person or a, you know, any person wins the race, they all win the same way, right? So structurally, 
it's essentially the opposite of what I just described, right? So now all of a sudden my shoulders go up over my head, right? And, you know, and all of a sudden my neck gets long. I open up my organs. I open up my genitals, right? Like I expose myself in a sense, right? And, and what that's saying is you're saying like, I won. I'm fine. I made it. I'm safe, right? So if you can be in that I won, I made it safe position, you can start training your structure to start occupying that space physiologically, you get the same responses, right? So all of a sudden, things like testosterone are shown to increase, right? Things like cortisol or the, like the various the various uh, cocktail of stress hormones that would that would come as a product of being in that depressed position end up decreasing, right? You know, and, and cortisol is a very important hormone. You know, all these things like it's not like it's they're like bad. It's just that it's it's the the amounts that we're having, and most people are kind of stuck in this like startle shock you know, depressive reflex, you know, and that's what you see with, uh, I believe depression, I think it's by 2030, it's supposed to be the number one leading cause of disability in the world. Right now it's like number three or something. Uh, let me look that up, well, but it's, 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 it's up there. there. That and diabetes are just going to be like the two that are just wreaking havoc all over the place. Yeah. 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 And so looking at all that, and even looking at things like diabetes or looking at, at, you know, any type of like cardiovascular disease or any of that, like all that can be relating in distress just the same. You know, if you have any kind of heart condition or blood pressure thing or whatever it is, if you right now just contract all your muscles, right? What you'll feel, or maybe not what you'll feel, but depending upon who you are, maybe you'll feel it. But what you'll see is your blood pressure increases, right? You know, and so if you're walking around and you're chronically flexed and contracted, what that translates to is things like increased blood pressure, right? You know, and the same thing if you're not getting full functional range of motion throughout your your joints and your muscles, well, that's what your cardiovascular system, your veins and your arteries and everything are passing through. So if you can't properly, adequately really undulate and move all of that tissue, then of course, there's going to be problems, you know, and that could be like a buildup of, of uh, fatty plaque, you know, as a, as a protection device, essentially around those points where, you know, there's a woman called Katie Bowman. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but yeah, she, yeah. she really eloquently breaks this, breaks this down. And I think maybe move your DNA is, is where she breaks this down. But the, the, the plaque being a protective device is a product of us not being able to move that venous flow correctly through our bloodstream. And so we have kind of like these hard turns, right? So cardiovascular disease or the plaque ends up building up in places of complexity, right? So in the knees or the brain or the heart, right? And so the similar thing are the hips. And what we'll see is, as we're sitting in these gunky stuck positions all day long, it's almost like we're putting a kink in our hoses, right? And then that plaque is a means of protecting the walls, the lamina of those hoses. And it ends up building up kind of like a scab or a callus on your hand. Right, so it's building up because we're not adequately moving that flow through our bloodstream correctly. But if you can dance and move and have sex and play and like be a real human being, um, there's no reason for that stuff to build up. From you know from my the, the illusion that I live in. I hadn't heard that before. Like where the the plaque was, uh, like you said, just from the the being stagnant. But that makes so much sense. I mean, you think about uh, I, I I'm equating in my mind like to uh, to a river. We're just okay, the debris starts to build up like, and it can't move through. It's the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just more and more continues to build in that area uh, until you just get that stoppage of blood flow and, hey, there you have yeah. a heart attack or whatever it might be. 
Yeah, yeah. That's so that's the same way with with tension building up in your body. You know, and tension is such a big nebulous word. It means so much. Um, but just so for example, like a lot of people end up dealing with like uh, having like a, oh I have really tense shoulders and my neck and my you know I carry all my stress in my traps right or the, the muscles that are between my shoulder and my ears there. You know, it's like okay, well what is that? You know, it's like what you'll see with that is it's kind of like, you know, a, a chain's only as strong as its weakest link kind of thing. You know, we'll end up manifesting that tension in the spot that's already predisposed to some type of, you know, dysfunctional movement patterning, right? You know, and so we end up, if we're chronically, say, we're, our hips are tilted too far forward or too far backward, right? Or our shoulders are same thing, tilted too far forward is usually going to be the way it goes. Then all of a sudden, the muscles like our traps and, you know, the muscles from the, in the, like the pec minor, like all these different muscles are now working way harder than they ever needed to, you know, from like the, your, your natural state of your body just to hold your parts together, right? So what you're experiencing in your body is essentially that you forgot, in a sense, of how to put your parts on correctly, right? And so so many of us, there's a guy called Thomas Hanna that I'd recommend reading his, his work as well. He calls it sensory motor amnesia is what he calls it. And, you know, so that's sensory being our sensation, motor being our movement, amnesia being we forgot, Right? And so what that is, is our, our musculature essentially is stuck in hyper contraction or stuck in, stuck in, stuck in, in deactivation either way. But it's just the signals ding, not getting through there. You know, if you ever had the experience of like holding, if you hold your fist, you know, or hold like a kettlebell or something like that, if you hold it for a while, you might get to the point of, you know, it's like you just get used to it, right? And then you finally drop it and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, all of a sudden my, my shoulder starts floating up into the ceiling, right? Well, so many of us are walking around and we don't realize it. But we're holding on to this weight and we're clenching our fists or we're clenching our sphincters, you know, of whichever sphincters it is, or we're clenching our shoulder, whatever it may be. And we just have no idea because it's just become normal. You know, so the big process is the process of starting to remember yourself if you want to be all uh, esoteric about it. I'm actually glad that you said sphincters there, though. I think most people are going to like, <laughs> no, but seriously, most people are going to be like, ha, you said sphincters, but. No, that's yeah. a big deal because you look at like all the pelvic floor dysfunction that is going on in people. Like mm-hmm. they don't realize there's not supposed to be anything leaking out of your body at any moment in time. Like that's not a normal sure. function for you to have everything turned on. Just like said, tightening down, trying to hold on to that at all times is, sure. is really kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So things like being able to take yourself through a, a functional full range of a squat. You know, that's, that's an example where it's really – it's just uh, it's setting your body up for the ability to completely expand or completely contract all this musculature. Most of us are stuck in like, you know, say you're doing like a bicep curl and you're only doing like, you know, 20% of that range of motion. You know, it's like, dude, you have all this other range of motion. You, you could even put your arm up over your head if you wanted to. You could even stand up on one foot at the same time, right? And then come back down into that bicep curl. But most of us are literally just stuck in this really limited range of motion. You could say that from another perspective, just to, you know, jump around a visual perspective, right? So right now, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a screen that's about two feet away from my face, you know, and I'm taking a lot of breaks. I'm looking around the room. I'm you know, looking outside, you know, but 
that's a similar concept where you have these, you know, these ciliary muscles in our eyes. When you have the same thing contracting and responsing happening in our eyeballs to allow us to be able to see and focus in on far distances and then focus in on close distances, right? So that's kind of like that full expression of our eyeballs or you know, muscles around our eye. It's a similar concept with full expression of being able to go into a deep squat. Right, you know, so it's starting to really look at your organism as just starting to really tinker with all the the potential expansion that you can have instead of just being limited by what you can get out of your cubicle, essentially. You know, and and what I see with people is as we do start to kind of you know expand out a little bit, kind of thinking like a like a caterpillar, you know, like a turning into a butterfly. Right. As you start to come out a little bit more, all of a sudden things like your personality changes a little bit. Right. So maybe you might be a little bit more outgoing of a person now because you feel bigger and stronger and more stable in your body. Right. You feel safer moving around the world. You're walking down the street at night and you're like, I'm, I can protect myself. <laughs> like I actually feel pretty freaking confident in, the, in this in this 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 organism. You know, and so what that ends up translating to is when you walk into a room, when you meet a girl or meet a boy or whatever it is, you feel better as you're showing up. Right. And that's like NLP, Tony Robbins, you know, change your state. You know, he gets everybody jumping up and down. Woo, woo, woo. You know, what they're doing is structurally they're chained, they're they're putting themselves into that victory position. And what that ends up translating to is your physiology, your endocrine system, your hormones and everything end up sending you the signal of Nick, you're doing great. Keep it up. Right. But if we just get stuck in staring deeply into our computer or into our TV or into our cell phone and then being in this depressed position in our cars and our buses and such. You're getting the signal of like, whoa, life is life is a mofo. Life is tough. Let's just get through this thing. You know, it's and it's we can we can affect those state changes by changing our, our physical posturing. I don't remember what the I don't even know if there was a question, but I don't know. That's, it's good. Uh, Wherever a, we started that's a, that's with that. That's a one. thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh I know one of the things um you were talking about, like and just some of the stuff I've listened to, like on some of your podcasts, some of the people that you've interviewed. You seem like you're big on quotes, big on just reading books and stuff like that too. Uh, is there anything you're diving into right now that you're just really geeking out on, like with reading? Yeah, um, right now, what am I reading? I'm reading a book called. Um, well, I just finished one called Body Learning that was all about um, the what was that about? That was about Alexander Technique, Franklin Alexander, yeah, yeah. and. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a fun one. That's uh, just again gets into all this really similar conversation. And um, presently, I'm reading one called I don't remember what it's called actually. It's tough with books because you know you don't look at the cover as much as you look at the inside of it. But it's something about charisma, you know, and it's like I'll I'll every now and again kind of add another book into like you know body language or communication or whatever it may be. And I derive a lot of information out of those books about you know the usually about like the science of communication. That's the thing that really intrigues me, you know, and something that's kind of interesting with that is like the tonality of my voice shows you or kind of sends a signal to you of whether you trust me, whether it's we're in a relaxing state, whether it should be like a fight flight type response. So if I start talking really fast and start talking really high, all of a sudden that indicates that I'm a little bit stressed out, right? You know, or... I could slow it down. I could utilize pauses, you know, and I could come from more of a place of like, you know what, Nick, like we're going to be okay. Right. And so being able to play with that, like we have a choice on the way that we communicate, 
And so that's just from like a tonal, you know, voice type perspective. But then the other bigger conversation that comes into like more like my wheelhouse, if I have one, would be more the, the, the body language and how do we start to build the structure in such a way that our body language from our feet up to our head, out to our fingertips is sending the signal to the world of, Nick, we, we got this. We're on board. We're all together. The team is united. We're concentrated. We're ready to go. You know, but it, so those are two. I don't remember what the name of the book is. I, I mean, I could like go into my little library thing. I, I kind of like piece through books. Mastery is another one that I'm 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 starting to get into as well. Um, but yeah, that's just a just a start. It's sometimes I don't finish books is a big thing. I'll get through like half or whatever, and then I'm like something else comes up. I'm like, ah, oh, that's what I need right now. You know, so I, I bounce around with it. I I used to struggle with having to finish books like when you said that it was like well i had you to do it because to. right and i've since realized and it's so much more enjoyable and i get so much more out of books that i'm not reading no. it for that i have to read this just to read it no you might get everything you needed out of it in the first 20 pages and you can just move yeah. on and also books sometimes are kind of i was just talking with uh, my buddy taro iso capula which is I'm, i still don't know if i say his name correctly oh, yeah, for, but he's uh for sigmatic right Four Sigmatic, Boss Man yeah. Four Sigmatic, super, super rad guy. I really have a ton of respect for Taro and a company and the mushroom. I'm drinking some of their mushroom tea right now and all the things. Uh, but they, uh, one of the things he talked about is he kind of like quit books. You know, and the reason that he, he quit books was was because he just felt like he was becoming kind of like you're saying, like just like the big thing was that it wasn't that fun for him, you know, and it felt like kind of more of like a responsibility of like, I got to read because that like, you know, makes me smart and intellectual and all the things. But like, there's so much information out there. You can listen to podcasts and go for a walk through the woods. You know, you can do Ted talks. You can do, you actually have live human interactions with people that are smarter <laughs> than you. You know, like you can reach out. If you're curious about freaking Pilates, find the best Pilates instructor, get a session with them or, you know, mentor or whatever and learn about Pilates. You don't necessarily need to get the book. You can get this person that read all the books. You know, so there's other options with it. And so I, I kind of look at books. I, I personally love reading, um, but I'll look at them sometimes more like YouTube kind of videos, you know, in a way where it's like, if I'm looking at like a YouTube thing, I'm like, I might watch a surf video, then I might watch like some type of body, mind, whatever thing, then I'm like, whatever it is. And I think that similar type perspective can relate to reading. If you got a bunch of books lying around, like have fun with it. If you genuinely are called to dig into the information, dig. It's going to feel good. It's going to feel effortless. But if you get to the point where you're kind of like martyring yourself to finish this book because you need to finish the book, that's stupid. You're not paying attention anymore. You know, so as long as you're like following your bliss, like Joe Campbell would say, you know, then, and it, then, then life is effortless that as soon as you're working to finish the thing, cause it's going to make you smart and awesome. It's you're, you're, you're missing out, you know, like that was time that you could have been enjoying yourself, you know, actually really soaking up information. So, so what are your thoughts on Aaron on, uh, either using like uh, meditation or, uh, even maybe like plant medicines to just learn all that we need to know from just doing it that way since really all of the information is already out there and we should be able to tap into it in another form anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, well meditation or plant medicine, which, which one? I mean, About either or, or what, I mean, whatever you've had the most experience with, whatever that might be. I would find, so I have, I go with meditation. It's kind of like, um, I have like, 
it's kind of like a like a like a like a volatile relationship or like an ex-girlfriend <laughs> that we kind of like come back together and then we go and then we kind of split up and like no i need you you know and then i'll meditate for 15 minutes a day or something and then i'll, I'll just not for a while um, you know, but, but meditation is a, is a really big word. You know, it's a huge umbrella, umbrella word that you can be in a deep meditation when you're having a hug or when you're out for a walk or when you're surfing, you know, it's like I found by putting yourself in an environment that's conducive for the state that you're seeking, you know, so to me presently, um, I really value surfing. I surf every day, you know, unless it like rained like it did last night. So then you're going to get like all the dookie in the water. So I don't, won't go out today, <laughs> but, uh, you know, but so that in that, in that state, you know, yesterday I was out and a seal came up and like almost like ran into me on my board and, these waves came together and like, I don't know what it's called when one wave comes back out at the same time, another wave comes in and it creates this like amazing, like four story high spray. Like it's really beautiful, you know, and, and when you're in that, that, that place, that environment, you, your physiology, your body, it can't help but to start to adapt to that. You know, so something that I would potentially recommend that I don't hear people talking about all that much is, is start looking for your meditation to be something where it's like, change your environment up, you know, and have a meditative state as you're going through a walk through the woods or as you're out in the ocean snorkeling or, you know, in a river or something like that, you know, and so really just by putting yourself in that environment through like fucking osmosis or whatever, you can't, but you can't help but start to start to kind of resonate with that, you know, so I would look at, at, at meditation as being something hopefully that you're accessing the highest percentage of the day possible, you know, so just even in those moments, like we were talking with like the tonality of the voice, right? Having those pauses, right? So when you can, when you can start to really flex the power of pause, it kind of adds a meditative element to a conversation, right? And so it's, it's, it's starting to be able to, to, to integrate that concept of meditation in your daily life. Plant medicine stuff, I find uh, most any version of like in quotes, plant medicine to elicit meditative uh, states, you know, so all of a sudden, if I'm completely, you know, whatever, no plant medicine ingested or whatever, whatever it is, um, it's a lot easier for me to just read a book or watch, you know, surf YouTube videos or, you know, rock climbing videos or something like I can just watch that and I'm like totally happy, you know, <laughs> get some nuts and some, and some coconut oil and some dried fruit and just make my little like cheesecake scoop things and just watch people <laughs> climbing mountains in Patagonia. And I'll do that for, I can do that for an hour. I'm just like, this is, I love this. I love everything about this. But as soon as I ingest whatever it may be, say cannabis, cause it's legal in California where I live. Um, immediately it just becomes cleaning house, you know? So immediately I, I start becoming aware of, Oh man, this is a little like gunky feeling through my fill in the blank joint or, Oh, that lack of extension that I have through my thoracic spine, like that needs to be addressed right now. I'm not able to breathe fully through the back of my rib cage and open up really stacking all of these diaphragms in my body. Do I feel organized? I'm standing here watching my rock climbing videos or do I feel like I kind of got to work my hamstrings or whatever? You know, or maybe my, my voice needs to, you know, I need to, I need to play with <laughs> whatever singing, you know, maybe I want to dance, maybe whatever, but it literally, it's like treating your body as a temple because it is right. And so as you go through and start, to, if you realize that, oh man, I have a lot of disorganized 
crap in this temple. I have a lot of clothes that need to be folded. I have a lot of, you know, furniture that needs to be moved around for more feng shui. Right. So that's that furniture feng shui analogy that could be like disorganized joints that are creating inflammation or pain in your body. Right. So when you walk into your room, you look around, it's just like this place looks like crap. Right. That's the same concept when you all of a sudden step into your body, maybe for the first time in a long time where you witness yourself and you say, dear God, what have I done? <laughs> you know, like, I need to put everything back together in a different way and you get started. You know, so I see plant medicine as a, as a really nice um, kind of like instigator of, uh, of change. You know, so that's and that's what, you know, that's what like Rick Doblin maps and, you know, all the thing, all the people that are pioneering this psychedelic research. That's kind of what they're getting at. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I think it's really important. It's it's it's. You know, Rastafarian said that cannabis is like the savior of the, you know, the culture of the world or whatever. I'm like, I, I kind of agree. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a fair And that doesn't, mean, that doesn't mean that you need to have it either. But so many people, it's like a meditation thing, like a 10-day Vipassana or whatever. It's like if you feel like you absolutely do not have – it's impossible for you to take 10 days and just be silent and sit with yourself, you're probably the one that needs that the most. You need a right. So if you're days, the yeah, yeah, right. You know, so it's a similar concept where it's like if you're the person that feels like, no, nah, I don't need to do any work on myself. Like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Like, I feel like eh, I feel good. This is good. <laughs> you know, like there's a really good chance that you are actually in the pool of people that could use it the most. You know, it's the person from like a bodywork perspective. The clients that I work with that come in with a huge laundry list of all the crap that they need to work with in their body, they're usually the people that are in like Cirque du Soleil or they're like high-level athletes and they really know their body, right? It's the person that comes in and is just kind of farting around and like, I, you know, I feel pretty all right. I feel good. You know, I, my wife, she really wanted me to come in to see you and, uh, you know, I'm fine. I'm fine. That person is messed up. <laughs> they have no so, recognition of it whatsoever, yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's kind of like choosing to, to take the journey, you know? So then how about yourself? I mean, is there anything, uh, it, it seems like you are willing to open to change. Like, is there anything that you really are working on for yourself right now? Uh, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally? Yes. Um, self love, <laughs> you know, is a, is a big one, you know, that I've, I found that to be like a, a big note of um, as I do various different like what have you I don't know I do all sorts of of like self helpy kind of therapeutic whatever I'm down for whatever if people are doing kundalini thing I'll do kundalini thing if people are doing you know ecstatic laughing or yelling or whatever like yeah sure we'll try it. let's do a dance yeah let's do it. and something that I find with that the moments that kind of actually like soften me the most or the moments where I'm like oh my god you know I'm like that that actually hit an emotional chord is really that feeling of like, dude, you're, you're, you're good enough. You know, like, like, like I love you, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's that, that feeling of like, do you really accept yourself? Do you really love yourself? You know, if you do really love yourself, you probably won't eat that shitty food that causes inflammation, you know, or makes you feel sleepy or makes you feel angry or agitated. You know, if you really do love yourself, You'll probably go for a walk in the woods instead of keep on taking more emails. You know, if you really love yourself, fill in the blank thing. You'll buy some organic, 
you know, apples instead of like ones that have pesticides and BS on it, you know, because you really care about yourself. Right. So if you can get to that point where it's like, yeah, you know, like I really I like I'm worth it, you know, and all that stuff. I'm like making fun of myself as I say it because it sounds cliche. Um, but there is really a lot of value to that. And then and then being able from there, if you can come to that point, which I'm you know, working on um, of really valuing yourself, then all of a sudden that becomes there's more access to valuing other people, you know, and that's. That's one of the biggest things is once we can start to create these bonds between other people. I was reading about some study in 2015 and it was uh, – I don't remember where it was. It was Carnegie Mellon University. I'm writing an article right now so I actually just pulled it up. And uh, 404 – I'm like reading this off. But 404 people were in the study and what they found was that they exposed like half the group to this uh, cold virus thing and the other half not. And um, – the difference between the two, or sorry, they, they exposed both the groups, but the difference between the two, half the group were exposed to hugs and empathy and connection and all the stuff, and the other half not. And what they found was the people that had the hugs and the connection, and they felt like supported by the tribe and all that, they didn't get sick. You know, some of them did, but it wasn't so bad. And the people that felt lonely, right, and felt kind of like, you know, just, just disintegrated, right? So that's an analogy for how your physical body relates to, to yourself, but then also the disintegration of yourself to the rest of the world. They're one and the same, I think, right? But those people end up uh, getting sick, right? And, you know, you see a similar thing with like hospital beds, some ridiculous statistics, 60, 70%, look, you know, look it up. It's something I read a while ago of people that are in hospital beds are there for psychosomatic reasons, Right, so they're there because they want a hug. They're there because they want someone to take care of them. They're there because they're tired of looking at Twitter and Facebook and reaching out for this like dry vessel, you know, to get some fluid, you know. And they really just want to have some some human connection, you know. But but the the beginning of creating that genuine human connection is starting with yourself. And sometimes you can create that human connection from reaching out to someone else and they'll teach you. Or sometimes for you to get to that point of really being able to connect with someone else, you need to do some work on the inside and um again i don't know what the question was but that's 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 something well no i find it interesting you bring up like the whole it doesn't necessarily like the psychosomatic part of illness in general um because i one of my guests i had on wayne daniels he was talking about this he's like uh some of clients like they'll they'll call up and like oh i i can't come in today i don't want to get you sick he's like I don't want like you. You can't get me sick. Only I could get myself sick like, for a cold or something like that. He's like, right, that's you, good. You're not going to be able to do it. Like it's just not going to happen because he's just like you said, the self love. I mean, everything is just on point with him. So he recognizes no. that. He's like, it's, it's not going to happen. You're welcome to come in if you feel like you don't need it today. I mean, I'm I'm fine with that. I want you to rest then too. But it's just that same, just so matter of factly, like, no, I'm I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. Get sick and the whole. Uh, it's funny. That's where I think about like. Well, going back to germ theory and all of this, and it's how much of it, I mean, certainly, like, do I want to have uh, a dirty operating room if I happen to get surgery or something like that? Well, no, of course I don't. But at the same time, doctors very rarely get sick, and they're around all of these cases all of the time. I mean, they still have that mental capacity about themselves to be able to deal with it then, too. Yeah. Yeah. And you see it with like the, you know, the radical fundamental, you know, what is it like the Baptist people from, you know, the South or whatever. They're like, I might not be saying that correctly, but the people that are in the church getting bit by poisonous rattlesnakes and such, so, you know, yeah. and 
you know, and it's like, and it's like that's that's a really great example. Or even like any of the stuff that you see, you know, with, uh, you know, where it's like you will be saved, the Holy Spirit, you know, and like touching your head, and like, oh, and you know, I faint and all that stuff. You see that in all sorts of religions. You see that in all sorts of practices. You know, it's not just like Benny Hinn or I don't I don't know any of these names. I'm just kind of making this. I think there's <laughs> I think there's somebody called something like that. You know. Um, you know, because I was I was raised around that environment, so I have like I have kind of like shadows of kind of remembering all these all these different things. You know, but there's there's different, and not there's anything wrong with that environment, blah blah blah. You know, but it's just it's one of the dogmas. There's many dogmas. You can derive a lot of value from each. You know, I think it becomes a little funny when you get lost in the box and you don't see the world outside of it. But you know, that's my own perspective on it. But what we'll see as we're going into those experiences. As you're starting to access your own hypnotic abilities, right? So back in the day, you know, your capacity to be able to access that hypnotic ability, you know, when you're seeing the shaman or, you know, whatever it is, you're out in the desert by yourself and you do get bit by a rattlesnake and you really need to heal yourself. You know, I don't know anybody that's done that personally, but I'm sure it's happened. You know, it's it's going into accessing your own biology through your own belief system. You know, Biology of Belief is a, is a book called by Bruce. Lipton that's that's a great one for anybody to check out you know it's it's being able to really just starting to access that self-belief as opposed to most of us we're in this place where it's like we only believe in the pharmaceutical drug we only believe in the doctor we only believe in the reaching out to heal yourself right I feel very strongly I'm I'm witnessing this happen now I think it's going to happen more and more as time goes on that we're going to start to kind of turn that around a little bit and look more at towards empowerment, right? How do I have access to my biology? You know, like I can, uh, there's no doctor that's more effective with me than me, right? And I look at the doctor, doctor means, means teacher, right? So I look at the doctor as a teacher, not as a savior, (laughs) You're your own savior, you know, and so if you can start to go in and really start to sit with yourself, that's why things like meditation are nice because it's a practice of kind of like getting out all the static fluffy nonsense you know most of us are so surrounded by all that nonsense that we don't it's too thick to go in you know we are only our only potential is to reach out and someone can repair my shoulder or repair my heart or whatever because i'm lost in this thing i don't know how to access it anymore you know, but if from a young age or any age for that matter, we just start that journey of really being, you know, people can change their autonomic nervous system. Look at Wim Hof. He's becoming quite popular for it. You know, there's so many examples of that. You know, I think it's Tuma meditation is, is kind of where he, where he got that was like his original thing it was like the monks drying cold, cold, wet blankets over their back in like, you know, really freezing environments or whatever. And it's like being able to go into your body deep enough that you can actually start to, you know, pull the toggles a little bit. Most of us just think that's fooey, you know, and it's like I'm kind of on the fence where I'm like, I don't know, I think there's something to it. I know that I haven't fully accessed any of it, but I'm, I'm willing to explore it. You know, I think that if more people were at least like really willing to explore, I think we'd have a lot more, uh, we'd see a lot more evolution in our healthcare system. But as long as we're just stuck on reach out, get the drug, reach out, get the, you know, whatever the thing is, then um, it's very disabling. So, and you're talking about, well, you're talking about the empowerment of just really the self there. I mean, any recommendations or any places that you feel are good places for people to start when they're really, hey, just, all right, I like you said, 
fix my shoulder, fix my heart. Like, where else could they start, though? Yeah, I think everything that we're talking about, you know, is 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 where they can start. You know, sometimes I don't know what I don't know what uh, people listening are if this will kind of like throw people off a little bit, but I mean, I found a lot of like plant medicine ceremonies to be really big kind of like earth shaking type experiences where it's just a really fast reevaluation, you know, and it's, there's that, or a lot of times it takes people going through some type of like near death experience. You know, I was watching a surf video with the last guy last night. He got like attacked by a shark while he was in a surf competition, you know, and all of a sudden like his, intention towards winning all the surf competitions became like dude i i could care less boom like right now like all i care about is you know uh, telling my mom that i love her all i care about is like living my life to the fullest of you know whatever that is i just you know most people i think as long as we're uh, as long as we're just getting by you know and we're just keeping our head above water you know, which is the state of, you know, a huge percentage of, of Americans and, you know, people throughout the world where it's like you're just barely paying rent. You know, you're just barely filling the blank thing. So you don't really have so much or you feel like you don't really have time to start, you know, re- readdressing things throughout your mind or your body. You know, you you need to work for 60 hours a week. You know, and so it's like that's that's the hardest situation to to work with, I think, is the person that is struggling to keep their head above water. And you know, so with that individual, which is, you know, us just so many people, whew, man, taking a you know, forcing yourself to take a ten day trip off. You know, forcing yourself to to let go of the technology for a little bit, forcing yourself to go to a different country where you don't speak the language, you know, forcing yourself to go out into the woods where maybe you don't need to speak the language because there's no language, you know, or it's just the language of like squirrels and, you know, whatever it is, like by having those kind of potentially like ground shaking shifts, um, it just gives you the space to reevaluate. You know, and that's the thing. It's like we, in order to really reevaluate the direction that we're taking this ship, uh, being, you know, our, our bodies or our lives or what have you, um, we need space. You know, as long as there's a tsunami coming in and, you know, we're just stuck on continual tsunami mode, you don't have time to like really look at the compass and address where we're going. We're just trying to put out this fire right now. And as soon as this fire is out, I got 37 other fires behind it. Right. So it's as long as we're in that position, it's it's I mean, it's a, it, it will be it'll be a struggle. You know, so I would say if you're in that situation, try and carve out a niche for yourself. Take 10 days off, take six days off, try and take a month, you know, go to freaking El Salvador or something, you know, whatever it is. But just give your that yourself that space to reassess. It'll be a start. It doesn't need to be like ayahuasca in Peru. Could be. You know, but just space, spaciousness. That would be what I would say. So would you surf a tsunami wave? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think it would depend on the wave. I'm I'm pretty timid, man. Like I, I like Have you surfed some pretty big waves then or Yeah, yeah. The biggest waves I've I've surfed would probably be like like double overhead waves, but once they start getting like really like hollow, that's when it becomes, you know, more of like a a potential like death wish if you don't really know what you're doing. And so most of like the really like the bigger waves that I've surfed, they're like they're not very hollow. It's it's the it's it's the ones where they start really like spitting and hollow and that that's when it's like you better like seriously know what you're doing. (laughs) So I'm 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 easing myself into that reality. 
never experienced like I, I've tried surfing once, but I've never really gone beyond like Jersey Shore waves, which nothing, nothing much. There's, you're not seeing like anything hollow. Pretty, I think they can get pretty legit out there, man. I was just talking with a guy yesterday. He surfed out in New York for a while, and he said he was telling me about like I mean he might have just been like blowing smoke, but he he was saying there's some pretty legit waves out there when you get some some hurricanes or whatever pulling through. I mean, I think I'm like sure fall when, time. Yeah, if you're if you're getting that, like my one buddy lives out on Long Island, like he surfs. He said wintertime. I mean, that's when he's out there, especially be, not only because there's less people, but he said the surf is by far the best. Um, but even yeah. like I just saw when I was in Hawaii, like I saw a small surf that like the people were talking about. They're like, yeah, it's nothing much. It was still bigger than anything I've seen out here. <laughs> I was surfing in Hawaii. I was telling this is the same story I was telling the same guy yesterday. I was surfing in Hawaii one time, and uh, I used to live out front of this break called Tavares, which is in like Kuau Paia area in north side of Maui. And uh, I'd surf there, like there, a place called Hokipa, if you're familiar with that, um, like every day. That's where I learned to surf. One day I was out there by myself. And there was like, and I was just like, this is weird. Like, there's nobody out here. Like, what's going on? The surf's like, it's okay. Like, this is, there should be people out here. Then all of a sudden, the tsunami siren goes off. And I'm like, oh, you know, so I just start freaking out, paddling as fast as I possibly could. I like jump my car and like try. And then I realized that uh, the tsunamis, it's just like a test, a test thing. And it just so <laughs> happened that there was nobody out at the same time. The tsunami siren thing is, it's a good experience. It's fun. <laughs> that, that'll light a fire under you for sure, though. Uh, all right. Well, but talking about like uh, different places that you've been, it, is there anything that you've really experienced from other cultures that, uh, you've just really brought home for yourself that it was like, wow, I could really start implementing some of that into my own life. Yeah, I was in um, the first thing that pops in my head, all sorts of stuff. But the first thing that pops in my head is uh, I was out in, I spent like four and a half months or so traveling throughout Europe and Africa last, last uh, I say Africa, Morocco. I was in Morocco for two months. Um, and uh, one of the things that I noticed in Morocco specifically, any third world culture, you'll notice this. Um, but people have this amazing ability to, to chill, right? They can like hang out, they can stand out front of their, you know, their stoop, you know, on the porch or whatever it is, or just stand out in the street. And what they're doing is they're talking to their neighbor, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're spending time just kind of like, just kind of like shooting shooting the breeze you know and in america we have this kind of like continual feeling of if i'm not you know whatever like escalating my status somehow that i'm losing you know and it's i think it's that that feeling of like you don't always need to be on you know you don't always need to be successful or whatever sometimes it's okay to just uh just hang out for a bit, you know? And so that was that, it was that uncanny ability for them to just like be okay with, with, uh, just spending time with their neighbors. I'm actually peeing right now. Is that okay? It doesn't bother me any, as long as everybody else. Oh, is good. Cool. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, so that it's, it's that, that ability to just spend time and actually, uh, I'm peeing outside by the way, which is a very nice, very nice experience. Highly recommend it anyway. Take your shoes off, wander outside, have a urination. It's quite quite a nice experience. That's, that's my favorite um, but yeah, thing so about that, walking through the woods. Yeah, dude, it's it's really it's really a great thing. We have all this 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 weird like insecurity around like bowel movements and urination and such. And it's like oh, it's like that's another thing I would say people can get over. <laughs> we all have penises. We all have vaginas. Maybe not all of us have penises or vaginas at the same time, but like just you know. <laughs> Come to acceptance of the things that are below your pants, 
You know, it's because it's because we don't see it. You know, it ends up being like this really insecure thing. And you see that with physical patterns as well. You know, so the way that people end up carrying themselves, a lot of times if you grow up with like guilt around having genitals for whatever reason, which is so many people, you know, it's funny to even say out loud, but like that's a legit thing. You know, all of a sudden you'll see, you know, maybe girls like crossing their legs more, right? Or a big thing, you know, females end up having, uh, developing scoliosis significantly more uh, than than boys, right? Around like adolescence time, similar time frame that they're starting to grow boobs, Right. So as those boobs end up coming out, they end up being insecure about these things on my chest. You know, so they end up curling up and covering it and nothing's happening here. You know, and then they end up having moving through the rest of their life strapped in to this physical structure of insecurity, which, like we mentioned before, manifests an emotional structure of insecurity. You know, so then that begins the process of that pattern even either getting deeper and darker or you know you meet somebody or have some realization or whatever and you start the process start the journey of unwinding that you know but it's 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 this it's recognizing that we all came from somewhere you know and it's like nobody's perfect everybody has their own stuff to work with it's just like you know buy the ticket take the ride kind of thing no the thing you said that like with females and starting right around puberty I have this conversation yeah. every week in my clinic. Like, somebody's coming in, they have shoulder pain, neck pain, whatever it is, and like you said, it's just that rounded shoulders, forward head, everything like that. And they said, and you get, you start talking to them about it. It's like, started when I was thirteen, it started when I was fourteen. Like, started going yeah. boobs, and automatically hunch over, cover it up. It's just a constant thing, uh, which is what they're aware of that. And the, yeah, but like it, it takes a couple a questions, start. and I'll, I'll like I'll bring it out, and they'll be like, "Oh, like just light bulb goes off." Like there's immediately where that's coming from almost all the time. But I hadn't thought about like even the crossing the legs thing because that's another big one too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, it's you, you can go into the patterns for days. You know, a lot of people end up walking like you'll see young kids sometimes walking up on their tippy toes. You know, and like the, you could potentially relate that to like not feeling really connected to the place that you're at, not really being able to, in quotations, feel grounded, right? So you're always kind of tippy-toeing through your world, you know, and you're never really landing anywhere. You never really feel that, like, rooted down into the earth, you know? And that's, there's, I mean, there's 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 connections with this for, for, for days of just all the various different, every physical posture that a person takes on is an indication of something. Right. You know, so there's like the there's like the hero, you know, Harvard study, Amy Cuddy, the hero pose or whatever, victory, superwoman pose, and then like the loser pose, you know, two minutes in that position, saliva sample ends up increasing testosterone, blah, blah, blah. you know, hopefully, you know, you can like reference that, you know, if, if it's or I can explain it more or whatever. But but that is just two freeze frame positions that we're showing because with studies, studies are, are oftentimes very sterile because we got to freeze it. Right. You know, right. it's you like to look hey, at that take point static in time. shot. Yeah. And here's what we got. And we measured these two different, you know, whatever. And it's like, that's well, where we go. You know, we did it, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. So that is a speck of the grander equation that's happening here where every freaking position that we're in is obviously having some type of hormone, hormonal response. 
right? So if you're cruising around the world and you have that chronic, you know, scoliotic, twisted, turned spine, right? And your glutes are chronically disengaged. You're never really able to get any power out of that. So your hip hinge, you know, the most robust joint and organization of muscles in your whole body is just completely dysfunctional. Every time you come down and you pick something up off the ground, you're putting medial stress on the knee and you're, you know, all these things, that has to have an effect, not just on the, you know, the inflammation of the joint or the dysregulation of the muscles around it, but I believe, you know, and I think it's it seems pretty obvious that that's also having a hormonal effect. That's also affecting all the other systems throughout your body, you know. And that's kind of the thing that that fascinates me the most presently. That's the thing I'm digging into, to presently is is really understanding that relationship of this physical structure that I live in is a representation of my environment. It's a representation representation of my emotional self, representation of my nutritional self. It's a representation of my relationships, the tribe that I'm a part of, the culture that I'm a part of. I am not just me, right? Like I am all of this, right? And so it, it's starting to to really just just witness like what the heck is this? What are these habitual patterns that I live in? Uh, so that's that's a thought that's an awesome one to uh to to posture on to think about uh for a while yeah ponder uh, yeah <laughs> right right <laughs> so i, I mean yeah. we're we're starting to close in on an hour here and a couple of last things that i want to touch on uh one of the things i always ask people who come on the show is who would you want to hear on this podcast but having your own show like who is somebody that you have not interviewed yet that you really just want to have on and like what is something that you want to just dive into with them uh, Tony Robbins is yeah. the is is the, is the one guy that I'm I'm um, he's like pretty high on my on my uh, list of people to to have on, and um, literally just dive into this this pretty much have this conversation with with him, and uh, that'll be it. You know, most of the things that we're talking about, this like state change and the things that are the patterns that are existing in his body and what kind of took him to being in a place where um, now he's you know, Tony Robbins, you know, and he's like, you know, Sir Tony Robbins or whatever. And he's like, you know, influenced the world and he's feeding, you know, a billion people and like all these different things. Where did, where did the seed of that come from? Was it all healthy? Was it void filling? Was it, is, has, you know, is there some insatiable appetite for escalation and self-worth and such that's been filled up? It did it all come from like a benign, happy, you know, well-supported place. Um, just kind of like what that evolution of, of, of his, of his life has looked like and then how physical, his physical structure has kind of been, been a part of that would be, that would be probably what I would start digging into. Of all that you've, I mean, whether studying uh, some of his work, but any, anybody else is like, what has been your most profound takeaway on that really environment, like everything equating into the physical? Man, I don't know. There's so many different ones. Pretty much all, I mean, if you look into any of these people that were like around during like the Esalen Institute heyday time frame, and you look at like Ida Rolf, or you look at, you know, Andrew Taylor Still, he's the father of osteopathy, um, you know, Alexander from Alexander Technique, Moshe Feldenkrais, uh, I mean, Thomas Hanna, there's like all these people, different people. They're all pretty much saying the same thing, you know, they're all kind of sort of saying, what, you know, a lot of the stuff we're talking about now. And, uh, you know, so kind of like 
an amalgam of all those different people. And then as well, getting into, I think like a lot of, you know, the information where they were getting it from goes back to like Roman times, you know, and like stoic philosophy. And then, you know, like Bruce Lee is another big influence. And like Muhammad Ali has a lot of really interesting ideas. And there's just so many different people that, uh, they may come from different mediums or different backgrounds or have different intentions, but a lot of these people that I find, to, you know, obviously I'm biased to have the most respect for are kind of getting at similar, similar conversations, you know, and they're just using it for boxing or for, you know, Jeet Kune Do or for something else, you know, but it's starting to get through, you know, Bruce Lee said, um, what do you say? Something like hack away the superfluous, you know, it's not about addition, it's about subtraction, you know, and that's exactly what I'm saying right now, <laughs> you know, it is saying all these superfluous nonsensical patterns that we have that are just vroom, 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 turning over in our body, and our mind all day long, get rid of them, you know, start fresh, you know, or start as fresh as you possibly can, you know, sweep your porch, you know, organize your house. And I mean that literally and figuratively, right? Start off with your environment. Is your environment disorganized? Is your environment dirty? You know, do you need to fold your clothes? Do you need to make your bed? Do it. You know, do you need to have all these, you know, credit card bills and nonsense that are just floating stressors? Get rid of them. You know, all of these different things are kind of like, you know, chains hanging off of our body and off of our mind. You know, so if we can do as Bruce Lee said and hack away the superfluous, and he got that from other people as well, you know, like it's been said over and over and over again for millennia. Um, then we start to find more, you know, balance and equipoise and, you know, stability and all that stuff in our life. But as long as we have all these superfluous patterns kind of operating us, uh, it's gonna be really hard to, to guide our own ship. So yeah, that. Right on. Uh, so Aaron, in, in closing here, where can the listeners find out more about you? I mean, we talked about your podcast, just you're talking about all the body work that you're doing. If, if they're looking to connect with you there, uh, where's the best way to uh, check out all your work here? Uh, well, Align Podcast, that's probably the most, most like, uh, I don't know, I'd probably put the most energy or work into that guy. Uh, but aligntherapy.com is, that's like the hub of all things. So you go to aligntherapy.com and from there you have podcast i got like hundreds of videos on there i have um, i'm launching a align movement academy a 10-week course for people that um will be happening in the next month and a half or so so i don't know when this when this comes out or whatever but um people can contact about that and then with that it's helping people walk people on the journey of how to integrate every aspect of your life into being a functional movement opportunity Right. So how do you chop your carrots? How do you get in and out of your car? How do you reach up into that cabinet to get the bleach out? Um, you know, how do we really start turning our whole life into a practice? And that sounds like work, but it shouldn't be work. It should be a fun game that makes you feel better. You know, it's every moment that we're putting some intention into having this body then we get we start reaping these long-term rewards and temporary rewards as well you know we feel it immediately but it's like you know it's saving money you know and having like a having like a 8% interest rate or something like that on it it's like if you keep on putting investing into that it might not be a big deal right away but in 10 15 20 50 years you're like oh dear god i'm so glad i started paying attention to the way that i moved through the world <laughs> i thank you for that and i appreciate that i hope people go to check that out because I think it kind of goes back to one of the things you said a while ago in the show was 
that percentage of the day, if you can spend more time meditating, and that's almost what this seems to be, like that greater percentage of meditation, you're still just so aware of your movement, no matter what it is that you're going to get. Uh, it doesn't have to be that you have to go spend an hour in the gym every day. It can just be built into your everyday life, Whoa. which is awesome to hear about. Yeah, there's a good chance you're hurting yourself at the gym, you know, and by good chance, I mean like really good chance, <laughs> you know, having, having, having some, having someone that really, first of all, find someone that moves well, you know, if you have a personal trainer and they are just, you know, juiced up on creatine and too much protein and their farts just smell like whey powder and it's just like, you know, and they're just like this like bolt on muscle machine they don't know what they're doing. You know, there's a good percentage chance that they found this kind of like, you know, simplest route to muscle gain and just drilled it, you know? And that I, and I say that because that's, that's me. Like I've, I come from that, you know, it, it find the person that has grace with the way that they move through the world. Find the person that has grace with the way that they communicate with people, you know, find the person that really has cut, has a background and a history in this and really cares, you know, and then pick the crap out of their brain, <laughs> you know, like, you know, do anything you can just don't like follow in the footsteps of what they're doing. How, how can we kind of pull some of that information from them? And so, I think that if you're taking a yoga class or a Pilates class or, you know, whatever it is, it's well worth your money to invest in getting a private before you even start, you know, because guarantee fact, there's a really good chance that you are practicing broken patterns in a class of 25 people where the teacher, whether they do or do not know what the, you know, what the heck they're talking about as far as like a mechanical perspective, um, they're not able to help you because you're one of 25. You know, so the sooner that you can start practicing functional movement patterns, uh, the more progress that you'll have in the long run. You know, so I would say, um, you know, get a coach. It's worth it. That's great advice. Everybody make sure, hey, go check out Line Podcast, linetherapy.com. Find out some of this awesome, awesome information that we've been uh, talking about today. So, Aaron, again, thank you so much. Yeah, man, no worries. Thank you. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others, so thank you.